Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today, we're going to talk about love is a parable. I'm your girl, Lady Bounce. And I am Picket Fence. We have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Jay Garnett. And we can't wait to get into this interview and this topic with you because this love thing is a heavy thing. But before that, Sir Pickett, hit us with that mindfulness minute. The mindfulness minute today. Have a heart that never hardens, a temper that never tires, and a touch that never hurts. And that quote is by Charles Dickens. And the second part to that is love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Mm. Up. That was heavy. And that second part was by the Dalai Lama. That's that's heavy because we we kind of live in this era right now where everybody's like, I don't need no man, I don't need no woman, you know, forget love, and I'm solo dolo. So yeah, that, that was real heavy. Independent woman. What'd independent you say? man, independent women. Oh, independent yeah, absolutely. Man. I'm a whole myself, which is very true. Two holes make a more solid hole. In my opinion, you know, I think that you both have to be solid. And, and not only that, there's no, no such thing as a perfect person. I think that you're constantly in the process of making yourself better than you were yesterday. Would you all agree with that? I, I certainly agree. So with that, let us, let me bring in our guest. So looking at his bio, I would say the good Reverend Dr. J. Duane Garnett. He's an, entre- he's an empowerment speaker, a reflective thinking facilitator, and a love advocate. That, that right there, we got to put a fork in that love advocate. We got to talk about that. He lives in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, in that area. He has 20 years of experience in higher education and over a decade of senior level management experience. That means he knows people and how to make people move when he say move. That's important. He is committed to motivating and mentoring corporate corporate entities and individuals of all ages to obtain and sustain effective life management skills, conflict resolution, and organizational management. He also is a leadership development and home for love is a parable, which is designed to provide love education, love advocacy, and love wellness with an attempt to help individuals obtain, obtain personal fulfillment and establish meaningful relationships while encouraging others to perpetuate unity, love, and kindness. Welcome to the show. Like that bio is powerful. Don't, don't. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to actually finally meet you guys too. So this is like a double like celeb- celebr- celebratory moment. It's a celebration, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> In my Dave Chappelle, uh, Rick James voice. <laughs> so so as you mentioned, it is a, a bit of a connection. You and, and Pickett are actually cousins and you found out by doing a, a, um, a test for 23andMe and hooking up on a website so that's pretty dope to like, you know, I'm always skeptical about stuff like that. Like they can tell you anybody from anywhere, but to have you guys like connect that, that's just, that's really dope. 
Well, the blood don't lie. So that's the other part. So I'm interested in kind of, you know, excavating to figure out how, look, which ancestor didn't say something. Um, so we definitely are related because even down to the similarities of like the podcast, our missions, our vision. So I was like, yeah, I went and told my mom, I was like, I found a cousin and he's a real one. <laughs> word up, word up. Yeah, I, I, I was telling my sister the same thing because my sister is really um, deep into like tracing roots. Um, we we both come from a single parent, me and my sister and my other sister. And um, there's a quick story before we drop into what we came for is um, we have a great grandfather uh, by the last name of Dent that was from down south. He got into some type of situation and he left, I think it was Meridian, Mississippi and something with a girl, you know how brothers do, got a girl knocked up and family wasn't with it. He left, he moved up north towards Chicago area and had established his own family, which they had like six daughters, three, no, I think they had three daughters and two sons and it goes on from there. But we've talked about it before on the show that we always have these secrets in Black families that we don't know our history. And I think that that's one thing that keeps us disempowered because usually in our counterparts, our white brothers and sisters, they have family legacies. They have the daughter or the son marries into a good family. And those families can bind their legacies together and they uh, go forth with generational wealth and generational establishments. You know, they place their families. You, you're going to go to a good school. You're going to go and have this type of job. And I think that because we always have this, everything has to be secret in Black families that we don't um, practice the power of genetics and family ties. Well, I think it kind of, and it does tie into the conversation that you was having beforehand. Um, I think there are certain things that we do have to take into account is that um, the start line for the African-American community has always been about 500 yards back. Um, so there are several different things. Like we do focus a lot on slavery, but a lot of times people don't understand, like for instance, for, for a long time, blacks didn't even have birth certificates. Mm -hmm. And then also blacks were always looking for a step up. So they had a tendency to remove any blemish that will put an extra mark on them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we can talk about colorism in a good way. We talk about colorism in a bad way. But for instance, if you were too dark, he was like, hold on. We can't say we related to them like we different over here. And if you're too light, you couldn't say that. And a lot of times there were some that were so light, they didn't even acknowledge the fact that they were black. So a lot of people, it's not so much that we didn't have history. Um, some of it wasn't even given to us to properly record. And some of us didn't even want to remember. Mm -hmm. And so those things are very important because we're still dealing with that right now. And I think secrets for the most part came out of a place of we didn't want to expose any blemishes because it was already a mark by being black. Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? I, I so, agree. 
I agree. Definitely. And so to your point about perfection, um, I actually disagree with um, that nobody is perfect. I think we're all perfect until we make comparisons. Um, oh, because yeah, I said I all the time imperfection exists. Um, we look at perfection, which means a lot of us look at perfection as if it's a state of actualization, mm -hmm. um, a neurotic type state where we can't go any higher, but that's not it. Um, perfection actually means you don't have any lack. And a lot of us are perfect like we are, but it doesn't take away the fact that we still have areas of improvement. But when we make comparisons, all of a sudden we start noticing that, oh, I don't do like so-and-so do. I don't do like so-and-so do. So that's where imperfection comes from. But every mistake is a perfect mistake. Every win is a perfect win. So perfection exists and perfection is achievable. We just don't acknowledge it. Word up. I agree. And, and, and you explained what I was trying to get to it perfectly. And that's what I meant by um, no one is perfect in the state, in the sense that um, our perception on what perfect is. Correct. You know what I mean? Um, and, and we think that, I think because of programming, we think this certain thing is perfect. And what I have is not, may not be perfect. But like you said, right. we are perfect as we are. Right. And I don't, I, I don't think that that's taught enough or allowed to be absorbed enough. Correct. Because uh -huh. we, we tend to take away from one another. Like, your perfection is your perfection and you can be perfectly you and I can be perfectly me. And that doesn't mean I'm taking you out of your spot. Or Absolutely. So for, for me, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about like that, that meme that kind of floats around on social media that says, you know, you can fix another queen's crown without telling her that it's crooked. So you can be fly and, and be who you are and be a hundred percent secure in that. And I can be just as secure in who I am. And that's fine. But I think so often, you know, like you guys both said, for black women, especially that competition thing is heavy. We are we are kind of like bred to when I walk in a room, I'm looking around at all the women in the room and I'm trying to make sure that I'm either on par with those women or better than those women, as opposed to just saying it's great to be in this space with these other black women that underlying, I got to make sure I'm the baddest chick in the room. I got to have the baddest dude on my arm. I got to make sure that I'm so bad that my dude ain't looking at these other chicks, that it breeds this unnecessary competition, you know, between women, especially. It does the same for men, but I think because men are not as tapped into their emotions, it's not as heavy for men. But I do see when we when like when when we're out places, you can see the dudes just like trying to put on this bravado front, like I'm the man and I'm this and I'm that. And we like, I look at them like, dude, just be regular. Because at the end of the day, you have to answer to who you are and for who you are, not to anybody else. So if you out with your girl and you trying to play it up like you're the man when you're really just that guy over there it's going to show. And that's not attractive because the other women in the room that are looking at you as a man can tell that you really just that guy over there. So it's far more better to just be who you are and be secure in who you are. When I go in a room, I'm not trying to be the baddest chick. I don't need that. 
I don't need to be the baddest chick in the room. I know at the end of the day, at the end of the night, I know who I'm going home to. And I know what it is when I get there. We need to do more, you know, as a community to be so to be secure in who we are because our kids are watching us. And as a teacher myself, I see these same type of traits play out in my students because their parents aren't secure in who they are. They're not teaching these kids to be secure in who they are, which is why we have so much division and fights and, you know, like goofy stuff that to me, it'd be goofy stuff. And I'd be like, in the grand scheme of your life, does this really matter? But the reason why we we have that issue is because we'd be focused on the wrong stuff. You know, like people say it all the time, you worried about the wrong stuff. We stay kind of worried about the wrong stuff, which is why we we can't unify the way that we need to. We can't love the way we need to. We have this saying that, you know, well, I'm independent. I don't need no man. I'm going to tell you, that's a whole lie. Because that man right there, I need that man. I'm not supposed to do it all. I don't want to do it all. But we have been so programmed into not needing a woman for this, for anything but sex, and not needing a man for anything but the occasional sex and money. So, like, it's it's been detrimental to us for generations in our community. We so don't want to say that we need somebody because that makes you weak. Now, I need that man, and I'm supposed to need that man. We, we got to get that message out there. I'm supposed to need you. You're supposed to need me. You're supposed to want me. It's great if you want me. It's wonderful if you want me, really. But you are supposed to need me. You, We are supposed to need each other. And we get so caught up in the I got man and you got to get yours to the detriment of us all. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm glad you said a couple of things. Um, when you talked about perception and what you look towards when you walk in the room. Now, me... I'm a project dude. I grew up in the projects, lived my adolescence to young adulthood in the projects. So when I walk in a room, unlike maybe women and other men, my first thing when I walk in a room, especially a room that's uh, heavily crowded, my first priority is safety. I look for the exits. I look for something that's going, cause I'm not a nosy cat at, by far. <laughs> You know, and it's funny because my mother and my older sisters, if something's going on, oh, what's happening? They got to see what's happening. If something is happening, I want to see how I can get away from what's happening, especially if it's something that may be um, drama field or a, a bad situation. I want to see how I can get away from that because the first thing. And we've been to plenty of places. Like we always took our kids to the fireworks and things like that. As soon as I hear or feel a notion of something going on, first thing I do is grab all of them by, by the waistline and try to direct them like we going this way. <laughs> and, and, and what you said about perception, I think that's my perception because of being in a situation where dudes pull out guns at parties and stuff like that. I want to be secure. Um, another thing that you mentioned, you know, as far as the wanting and needing of people, we've, we've in this programming state that we have to show that we're independent and I'm so secure and, and, and I'm so not even secure. I'm so I'm this, I'm this, I'm that, I'm bad. I'm the coldest that we forget about love and security. Like you said, 
wanting and needing. I, I, you know, I need a partner. And, and, and not even when it comes to partners of men and women. When we think about uh, camaraderie of brotherhood, when I go out with just the fellas, I want to make sure all my fellas are secure. If, if you have a friend that's with us, a girlfriend, I'm not just looking out for you. I'm looking out for that girlfriend. I want to make sure that we're secure. And I think, like you said, it's all a matter of perception and your depth and love. And that's what we're here to talk about. Love is a parable. Break it down for us, Jay. Um, actually, the reason why we started, um, well, I started Love is a Parable because I didn't grow up in the traditional, I didn't think I had a traditional or a normal childhood. Um, and so love was one of those things that I've always kind of had an infatuation for to just kind of uncover. And then I realized throughout my journey that love is one of those things that get a bad rap. The best way to describe it is how many times have you heard somebody blame the water for bad lemonade? Mm. Right. We usually say if it's bad lemonade, we say it needs more lemons or need more sugar. Right. But we do the total opposite when it comes to love. We don't blame the additives. So like, oh, it's the water, the water, the problem. No, love has been getting a bad rap. And so I realized when we start to help people peel back these different additives that they have put in the name of love at the organic core of love you will find that it's not what we thought it was. In fact, we help people uncover that true love, organic love is who we are. So at the core of our being, before life threw its additives at us, think about it, before people was trying to tell it, like you say, you grew up in the projects, before we had these experiences, in the purest form of who we were, we were love. Somewhere along the way, we became what these additives were, and that became our identity. So what we do is help people peel back the layers that clog their perception of love, but also peel back the layers that clog the perception of who they are and show them that they are loved. So it's more of a returning. And so we found that when people understand that they are loved, they tend to see that love is in other people. Um, and we do what is called a value-based education where we show people the things that they value and show them how they protect these values, but also these values shape the way that they see themselves and shape the way that they see other people, but also govern a lot of the decisions and choices that they make. So when you identify the values and you identify the love, you'll be in more, more control of situations and you'll be intentional about the connections that you make. Mm. Oh, wow that that was pretty deep so as we were talking I was I was thinking about um when it when it comes to love it's kind of like the same as like gender roles in in some ways so like for me I I know who I am I am secure in who I am there are some aspects of my personality that I, that I would like to work on but at the same time, working on those aspects of my personality would take away from who I am to other people. So I'm okay with that. 
but in thinking about that and in thinking about gender roles, we, we, you know, we say stuff like, oh, well, women love harder than men. And I'm like, that's not true because men love just as hard. They love differently. And so many times in, in relationships, especially we, we tend to forget the fact that we are not the same. We are not supposed to be the same. We were not designed to be the same. We were not designed to look at things the same. So when we say like, oh, well, I love hard and that man just couldn't accept that I love hard. Like, nah, sis, she was crazy and obsessive and possessive. And that's why he, he had to bounce. Like, let's, let's not confuse, you know, what that is. Because what you think of as love, he see as crazy. So at its core, like you said, love is what it is. It is pure. It is consuming. It is all consuming. If we come from love and we're built from love, we should be able to show love, accept love, receive it. And so many times because of conditioning, we can't recognize love when it comes. We don't know how to receive it. And the things that we think are love, when we don't get those things, we like, oh, forget love, you know, or F love and I don't need no love. When in fact, it was getting love all along, but because you had this messed up perception, because like you said, you didn't peel back these layers to really figure out what it was and you missed out. You know, you, you missed out on that good guy who was probably your match and your soulmate because you were looking for something that somebody else told you, you know, this is love or this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. When, when it comes to something like love, nobody can define that but you. So like what my relationship looks like and what it feels like to me, it may not feel like that to you. And that's okay. But we can't negate that either. We can't be like, oh, well, that ain't real love because you ain't draped in diamonds. No, I'm not. But guess what? I got a house. I got a car. I got that man's name. I got that man's children. And when I go somewhere, I know it's all about me and that man. And when we ain't together, I know it's still about me and that man. But again, like Jason, like Pickett said, because of conditioning, we think that stuff is lame. That ain't real love. And then, like you said, Jay, you have to peel back those layers and realize that what you've been getting is really love all along if you operate out of love in yourself. Well, I'll, I'll even take it back even further. It's like um, Pickett can do all of the same things that he does for you and say it was another woman that he does the same things for. You're right. She won't recognize those things. She won't recognize them for two, two reasons. It has nothing to do with love as much as it has to do with alignment. Um, a lot of times when people are talking about a relationship didn't work, a relationship didn't work because of the lack of love. A relationship doesn't work because, of the, because they're not compatible. So if you and I have two different visions, we will never be on one accord because that's division, you know? And so a lot of people are looking for the additives of love without understanding what love is, meaning love is brought when I walk into a room because I'm love. So I'm coming in love. But if you haven't taken an opportunity to understand you and recognize the love that you are, you will never see it in me. I will never be able to bring it to you because you don't recognize it. And you talked about gender roles, which were extremely important um, because a lot of people develop that research off 
of I forgot where it was, but that's where the, the book came from. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus concept. And it did talk about how men and women process um, differently. But the other part of that research that wasn't necessarily included, it said that men and women process differently, but in a complement in a complementary fashion. So they didn't process differently to be in contrast. They processed differently to complement one another. So they picked up each other's lack. The second part about that is that only happened when it let the men and women know that they were being tested. When they didn't let the men and women know that they were being tested, they actually processed the same. Mm. So when we start talking about programming, programming comes with expectations, expectations that sometimes we subscribe to unknowingly or knowingly. And so when we talk about before we can even get to gender roles, men and women actually want the same things. We want acceptance. We want to belong. We want safety. We want protection. We want shelter. Who doesn't want these things? Mm -hmm. But for some strange reason, they'll say men and women want something different. Men want affection. Men literally want affection. Men want to be respected. Men want to be esteemed. So when people start saying that they're totally different, they're not. What happened is there is some type of programming that went on that said, okay, um, because you're a female, this is how you're going to look at things. Because you're a male, this is how you're going to look at things. So you walk into a room already with the expectation that we're going to be at war. Absolutely. Mm. The expectation is going to be at war. And so you're like, well, I have to win this war. So you're going to make sure that they understand your perspective more because why women are taught that they are more that they're smart they're more mature than men they're all of these things and men are these brutes that don't have really any emotions and the list goes on and on they only have to provide in all of this but the truth of the matter is we are very much the same Mm -hmm. and the the ways that we differ should only differ in a complementary fashion not a contrasting fashion. The war shouldn't be there. You see what I mean? And oh, those yeah. are the things that's a little different. And we want to make sure we clarify because we're sending too many messages with the expectation that we're going to go in something as war. Why do I always speak about all is fair and love is war? So, right? So you got so many people saying, oh, we're going to fight. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. Why? We don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's a false expectation. So I'm walking on a battlefield expecting to fight when this battlefield shouldn't be a battlefield. Word. But it could be an education center. Word. It could be an opportunity for both of us to develop and esteem our foundations and go to new levels and new depths with one another. Word. I, I definitely feel that. that. That's what I always say is, like you said, it's about perception. It's, it's definitely about perception and a lot of times we're in an era where everything is about cancel culture when these could be educational moments. We could be learning much, much more instead of fighting much, much more. Right. Now, now we are running low on time, so I want to make sure that we jump into the book. I got the book in my cart. I'm ordering it tomorrow. Break down the book. Is, I know the book has these concepts, but break down the book, Love is a Pair. But like, which book are you talking about? Because we Love is a pair. four of them. <laughs> okay. I don't know which book you got, but we actually got a, I got a poetry book that is out. That's called Random Thoughts, Phases of a Poetic Mind. And then we got two training manuals. The first one is um, Ifatha, 
um, which is being open to love. Ifatha is Aramaic for open. And so this is foundational about what love is a parable is all about helping people really return to love, meaning return to themselves, but being open along the way. So it, it shows them three things that they'll learn that love lifts, love answers, and well, love answers, love lifts, and love opens. So they'll go on that journey, get the foundational things about love is a parable. And then that's one thing. The next thing is there is a concept that we do, which is called the sacred box. And that's kind of that value-based education um, core that we were talking about. Because so many people ask about, okay, now that we know these things, what's next? <laughs> or how do we do things day to day? And it dawned on us, we're like, we talk about the sacred box, but it ain't even in the first book. So the second book is ampersands and commas. Um, love is communicating and we show people how to communicate. And when we're talking about communicating, we're talking about the, the, the purest definition of communicating, which is an exchange of ideas, beliefs, um, thoughts, and the list goes on and on, not just verbal and written communication. So we show people how to really commune in love and we show them that by really examining their sacred box. So that's what those two books are about. We actually offer a uh, eight week training that we do that go through all of that five weeks of instruction. We meet about an hour and a half each um, one day a week. And so we do that for five weeks. We break for two weeks to do what is called a kindness project. And we come back in the eighth week for graduation. So it's a lot of things that go with it. So you can buy the book, get it, or you can take the training, get the books with the training, however you want to do it. Um, but I love to hear your feedback either way when you get, I don't know which one you got, but either way when you get it. Or it definitely, definitely. Um, and also, um, we definitely going to do a part two of this cause this, I, we didn't cover a lot, but there's much more to cover. Um, before we get out of here, let's get into my favorite part of the show. Doom, 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 doom. Brain science. All right, so we're talking about love and love being a parable. Did you know that not really a matter of the heart, the science, there's brain science behind love and attraction. Your brain works when it comes to love as well. Studies have shown how the brain reacts to love. Research data and biochemistry support the idea we go through extreme emotions in the pursuit of love. We are happy. We are sad. We are angry. We are mad when we can't find the love that we think that we're supposed to have. So not your heart, but your brain is actually in charge of love. It turns out that those metaphors and the hyperbole surrounding love do hold water. Studies in the past decades have shown that the brain reacts to love. Research findings in biochemistry support the idea that we go through extreme emotions while trying to find love. Some of those extreme emotions include not being able to eat or sleep. You feel giddy with the emotion. You're happy. Your anxiety in a good way because you think this is going to be it. But then your anxiety in a bad way to what if this ain't it? What if this ain't that, as they say? So. You can't eat, you can't sleep. The first thing that, that is the anxiety attacks is your eat and your sleep patterns. Love creates strong bonds. It creates strong bonds in your mind first and then in your heart second. As you get to know the other person, these bonds strengthen, then that makes those heartstrings flutter and you fall in love. 
Then there's something that they call bleeding love. And that's when the jealousy and the insecurity and those negative aspects of love, or what if I'm not good enough? What if he's not good enough? What if she's not good enough? Those starts, those thoughts start to creep in. And that's when your brain kicks back in to remind you of those euphoria feelings you had in the beginning of that love and that relationship. So the ups and downs of love are slowly being backed by science. As our knowledge and awareness surrounding this mysterious force continue to grow, we can forge stronger and healthier bonds with each other. So with these bonds being strengthened, Jay Duane Garnett, tell the people, what do you do for self-care? How do you keep this love thing going? Because this love thing is hard. It's complicated. How do you take care of yourself? Um, allow yourself to feel every emotion. Like you already went over it. One of the things that I realized I struggled with is I tried to suppress or cut off emotions like, oh, I'm not supposed to be angry, so stop it. No, now um, what I tell a lot of individuals to do is actually follow the emotion all the way through. You don't have to act on it, but follow it. And once you follow that emotion all the way through, you'll find the root. And so that way, if it's something that you want to pluck, you can pluck the entire root up and not just parts <laughs> of it because it'll come back later on. So any emotion that you feel, no matter how extreme it is, just take a minute to digest that emotion, follow it all the way through and um, take a minute to figure out where the roots lie. Word up. Tell the people where they can get your books and how they can get a hold of you to um, take the course. Everything is at loveisaparable.com. That's the best way to do it. But on all social media platforms, it also is Love is a Parable. So um, the best way to go, go to loveisaparable.com, which is love, L-O-V-E-I-S-A-P-A-R-A-P-L-E.com. A lot of people leave out one of those A's, but it is loveisaparable.com. You can check us out, read up on it. We got a lot of um, periodicals, um, reviews, videos, whatever you need. And then you can Click at the bottom of the screen and follow us on all social media platforms, like, share, and subscribe. Word up. Cuz, I'm so glad that I've been able to connect with you and see you face-to-face. -face. But we Likewise. are taking a trip down there so that we can meet face-to-face. -face. And I okay, want to tell be you dope. that I love you and I'm glad that we have been able to make a connection. And people are going to be checking for you, and we're going to make sure that is. And like I said, we are doing a series next month for um, Hip Hop History Month, and we want to have you and your whole crew, Brotherhood Empowerment, on the yes. show yeah. so we could break down. It's going to be about the psychological effects of hip hop, and we're going to cover a lot of different Ooh. things <laughs> about hip hop and how has it affected yeah. us as a community. Um, we got a minute left, but we want to say thank you. And this will not be the last time you're on the show. And we hope to be on your show soon. You will. You can, you can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. We are on all social media, also Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's your boy, Picket Fence. I'm in Girl Lady Bounce. And that's Jay Garnett. We out Love you here. guys. Love you too. Peace. Peace.